Welcome to Fruit Snacks, a weekday podcast that covers big ideas about the Christian worldview in a bite-sized format. Hey everyone, happy Friday. Today we're going to do sort of a short episode and just wrap up this discussion on free will. Yesterday was a a little bit of a lengthy topic, but we kind of went through a whole bunch of different objections that have been raised and and could be raised with regard to free will. Couldn't God have done it differently? Uh, Whether that's an extreme example of couldn't God have created free beings and still never allowed any evil at all? All the way down to that couldn't God have just made things easier um, and couldn't he have just made himself a little bit more known so that people would more people would choose him and, and it would be easier for people to just see obviously that that uh, they need to turn to God. And again, Paul says in Romans uh, one that that creation itself is a testament uh, to God's power and his existence. And so if people are rejecting the light that they already have, then there's really nothing else there. In fact, as we said in Luke 16 and the parable of the rich man and Lazarus that Abraham says, people won't be convinced if someone rises from the dead if they're not willing to already listen to the the information uh, out there in the witness of Scripture. So I said today I wanted to talk about something called epistemic distance, or to put it a little more plainly, the hiddenness of God, as it is sometimes called. And this is a question that comes up sometimes with relation to to free will, because the idea here is that, well, if God would just make himself more known, if God would make his presence and the miraculous just more obvious, then more people would turn to him. And if more people turn to him, then there would be less evil in the world, wouldn't there? So why doesn't God do that? And I think that God in... In his perspective and from from his own view of things, that this is a tightrope that God uh, very carefully walks in and with his creation. Uh, scripture tells us that God has made himself known to us and that his presence and that his existence is obvious if we choose to uh, acknowledge what we've been given in, in as far as the light of creation and, and the witness of scripture and so on and so forth. But God, I, I think we, we can take for granted sometimes that God's presence, his actual full presence is terribly overwhelming. And, and we see this in Isaiah six, when Isaiah is caught up uh, to the throne room of God. And, and we read this in Isaiah six, in the first five verses, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the temple to think about that just for a second, the train of his robe, it's just the hem, the very bottom part of his garment that the entire temple, the entire temple is filled just with the hem of the garment of the robe of the king of all the universe and creation. He's huge, right? And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. The presence of God is terrifying. If we were suddenly to find ourselves in the direct, immediate presence of God, 
it's terrifying. It is an experience that would undo us. And, and that is exactly what happens to Isaiah. He, he says, woe is me, <laughs> right? Like I don't belong here. Isaiah, as much as as an amazing thing as we would think it would be to be in the presence of God, Isaiah actually wants to get away uh, because he realizes instantly that he doesn't belong here, that this is not a place where he should be because he's it's too close. He's too immediate to it would be like being too close to the sun. It's just like it's it's just too much. It's overwhelming. And Isaiah is overwhelmed. Think about the transfiguration. Just the the glimpse, the 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 sliver of Jesus's real, true power and presence, and and his who he really is, um, being being sort of flashed to the disciples, and it's it's overwhelming to them. They they don't really know what to do about it, and so I think we need to take seriously this idea that if God revealed himself directly, more directly to people, um, that we now once again have a problem with free will. Because if this is just by virtue of God being God, just being who he is, if he were to reveal himself this directly to people, what possible choice would we have? Like we would be shaken to our absolute core. We would be we would be frankly terrified into submission and obedience. And again, I don't think that's what God is interested in. Could he do that? Most certainly he could do that. But that's not what God is interested in because if people if people had to, uh, to, to choose God because what other choice do they have in his direct presence, then are they really choosing him? Are they really free uh, in, in that choice? Moreover, if God puts some sort of undeniable signal, like a, I don't know, like a flaming cross up in the sky so that no one could deny it, um, no one could look at it and say, oh, God doesn't exist. There, you know, No one could actually be an atheist or an agnostic. Then even those who acknowledge him outwardly, is their heart actually inclined toward God? Or do we still have a, an issue with rebellion? So just because everyone outwardly acknowledges God, that doesn't mean that every heart belongs to him. And so once again, I think the ability to do otherwise, to, to actually have a choice in the matter, is the only thing that makes our choice to respond to the prompting and, and drawing of the Holy Spirit uh, worth anything. And I, I think that that is actually in God's own opinion also the case. That if there was any way to do this thing differently so that free will was intact and people would freely choose to to choose God and we would have overall just less evil in the world, that that is, that is what God would have done. Which means that if this is the world that we find ourselves in, this is the world that God chose to create because this is the world that best fits with his intentions and designs and plans for all of creation, including uh, humanity, but also including uh, spiritual beings and those uh, other things that God has created. And so after all is said and done, is free will really this valuable? I think yes. I I think yes, not only in, in our opinion, I think, but in God's opinion, yes, it absolutely is. 
even with all the things that it brings, even with all the evil and the heartache and the suffering, even with the abuse of the free will, that it is still worth it. Because without it, you get no one who freely chooses God either and chooses to respond to the pursuit that God has uh, for for all of us, for all of our, our souls and, and relationship with him. And so, yes, it is valuable, even though it brings about suffering. So our next topic that we're going to turn our attention to is a, a little bit of a different question is, okay, well, suffering apparently is... is it's justified by the fact that free will, it really is that valuable, that it does justify the suffering that we endure. But what about um, what about the good that can come from that? Is there any good, is there any meaning or purpose to the suffering that you and I endure? And that is the, the next big question that we will take a look at is what good is the suffering that I endure? Which gets to uh, not just making a rational case for it, but but really getting to more of the emotional and the heart issue of how can we redeem suffering, and uh, what is the Christian worldview uh, with regard to that question? So I can't wait to dive into that one next. 